You're listening to Earthy Essentials with Rebecca B. Kimber, where I talk to change leaders about circular economy and clean living products and services, and why they matter for our planet and our health. Today, I am talking to Eric Hawkins from Soil Value Exchange. Soil Value Exchange is brings together landowners who store carbon in their soil with a network of buyers willing to purchase that carbon storage. Um, hi, Eric. Hi there. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Great. Okay. Well, I'm excited to talk to you today. We met at the Verge conference in Oakland about a week ago, and Mm -hmm. we had a good chat chat that I wanted to bring you on the podcast and see if you could explain a little bit about what your company does. Yeah, I'm happy to be here and explain, especially if you've got any questions. Great. All right. Perfect. So I'm going to start with... um, Really, a question that's been in the news a lot lately. We have uh, there was it, there was an article on NBC News called "Can Regenerative Agriculture Reverse Climate Change?" Big food is banking on it. So um, that article talks a little bit about General Mills and um, about some of these big producers and how mm-hmm. they need to be investing in. Um, in regenerative agriculture. And uh, so I thought that maybe you could talk a little, explain a little bit about what that means, um, what carbon storage is, and what regenerative agriculture is, and a little bit about what your company does. Sure. So um, one of the things that we're specifically interested in is uh, soil carbon storage, which is, you know, not to put too fine a point of it, but carbon that's stored in the soil. Uh, but the, the more elaborate answer is that plants, as they're growing, are taking carbon out of the atmosphere through photosynthesis, and they're using it to build their cells, their leaves, their flowers, and their roots, all, all those different things. And the plants also are forming a network with other organisms that live underground, like fungi and other microbes like bacteria. Uh, and they actually make exchanges of carbon in the form of the sugars that they've made uh, for other different compounds with those uh, microbes. Um, and it is in this exchange that uh, permanently can store a pers- part of that carbon in the soil. Um, and so that's kind of what we're interested in. And part of how you achieve that is through uh, regenerative agricultural practices. So when landowners manage their land with regenerative practices in place, their land stores more carbon along with a bunch of other benefits. And so what we're trying to do and what I imagine uh, some of these other companies as well are trying to accomplish is to financially incentivize the storing of carbon, uh, which, you know, combines with the uh, benefit of restoring the land that it's uh, that's growing there. Wonderful. Okay, so then if you could explain a little bit about what is the difference between what we call you know, uh, factory farming or uh, conventional farming the way that we know it today in the United States. How is that different from regenerative agriculture? Yeah, so there's um, there's a lot of different ways that people are managing their land and uh, managing, say, their, their farming practices or the ranching practices. Um, and a lot of traditional farming uh, involves you know, you're, you're, you're trying to grow these plants, you're trying to uh, grow these cattle, and you have a lot of um, either pesticides or herbicides that you're putting on there. Um, you're trying to, um, 
you're trying to uh, increase the yield as much as possible. Uh, a lot of it involves uh, tilling of the soil, which is breaking up that uh, soil network down there um, underground and uh, disrupt, disrupting it and releasing uh, the carbon that's stored there back in the atmosphere. Um, and for things like uh, beef and stuff like that, you know, a lot of times you'll have your cattle on this wide open pasture and they'll range however they like. Um, and then after a little bit, you finish them off on, um, on in feedlots where they're, where they're getting a bunch of corn that's been grown through uh, general uh, whatever practices that the corn is growing on as well. Um, and so, and, and you can even be like, a lot of times you can be confused by that because you'll read grass-fed beef uh, and it's beef that's been raised on grass for a good majority of its life, but is finished um, at the last like multiple months, just in a feedlot with a lot of corn. Okay. Um, and so uh, regenerative agricultural practices can involve uh, for things like what we're interested in is uh, primarily changing the way that you manage their, their grazing habits um, it is, um, changing them from this open pasture to sort of a more dense herd that gets moved around more often. That's more similar to uh, the way that bison would roam the grasslands uh, or, or and, and the way that they interact with the land, the, the manure deposition that they, that they have there, the extra stomping of the ground because they're at a much more dense um, area, or a much more dense herd. Um, and the way that they can no longer just pick and choose which of their favorite plants to eat, but instead have to eat everything more evenly. All of that can combine together to form a more resilient ecosystem. Um, and so that's kind of what uh, we're interested in, is trying to recreate some of these uh, more unique ecosystems that were uh, more commonplace before the rise of uh, big industrial agriculture. Fascinating. Okay. So then can you, that brings me to, is that what you would call um, managed grazing? Is that the same thing? With yeah. the yes. Yes. That's, that's uh, the big sort of thing that we're interested in. There's other names for it, like AMP grazing, which stands for adaptive multi-paddock, uh, high intensity rotational grazing, where you're, you know, moving the cattle more often. Um, and there's a couple of other names for it and different uh, people have done a lot of research in this in order and, and it's one of the more uh arguably cutting edge areas of ecological research um and there's a lot of really interesting stuff going down there okay um, and is alan savory is that sort of the the guy that started it all or yeah well he's he's one of them alan savory of the savory institute is doing some of the things like this um there's also alan williams uh and uh steve applebaum are all people that have done some research. And I'm certain there's more uh, that have done the research on it, but those are the ones that we've primarily uh, interacted with. Great. Okay. So is part of the, it's part of what you're trying to do here is to have the, so the cows are going to be, so cows are part of the ecosystem and what you're trying to do where they're actually part of regenerating the land that they're on. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Well, so uh, most uh, different continents have had their version of what, uh, as biologists, we like to call megafauna, 
which are just really, really large animals. You can look think of them as uh, elephants and rhinos and wildebeest, okay. uh, but you can also think of them as bison and cattle. And these are just really large animals that have uh, intensive grazing and a lot of times a herd behavior where they're where they're moving together. Um, and they a lot of these grasses uh, have evolved alongside these megafauna. And so they respond very well to peri- periodic disturbances of intense grazing or um, uh, a lot of times fire. Fire is a big part of grassland ecology and stuff like that. Um, and so those work together uh, with the ecosystem to create a more, a more vibrant response after events like that. Awesome. Okay. That's very interesting. I love historical perspective on some things like that. Um, and then, so can then you then explain how you're working with companies to help them just explain sort of your, um, your company's relationship between the farmers and, um, and consumers, companies, cities, things like that. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to create partnership with ranchers where we're measuring their their baseline carbon stock and we're trying to provide an estimate for how much carbon they're going to store. Um, And we're going to have all of this verified by independent third parties. Um, And then we're going to look to find uh, buyers for the carbon storage that the ranchers are providing. And importantly, we aren't, um, we aren't ourselves dictating any regenerative agricultural practices. We're trying to find educational opportunities, but we don't want to be telling these ranchers specifically how they manage their land. We want to keep that in their hands, but we're trying to find avenues to reward them for these better choices that they can make. Um, And then later on, we go back and measure the actual amount of carbon stored with this second measurement, uh, which is should be higher than the uh, original estimate that we did because it was uh, hopefully very conservative. And we um, and so when we partner with the ranchers, we we agree to sell their carbon storage for them um, and have it verified and measured and stuff like that. Um, And they agree not to till their soil for 10 years as well as not to do anything to egregiously damage the soil health. Um, And every time they make a sale, they agree to that 10-year commitment. And this allows them greater flexibility, but lets them retain more control over their own land. Um, And we're trying to create opportunities for them to learn about these regenerative practices and trying to help implement them. Um, So, and the benefits for companies and cities or individuals is, well, everyone's going to benefit from removing carbon and slowing down climate change. That's one thing that's going to affect all of us. And to different degrees, it'll affect people, but we just know that everyone's going to have to deal with it. Um, and currently, our rangelands in the United States are a source of carbon, but uh, with different practices and stuff like that, they can be actually a carbon sink and remove a lot of carbon from the atmosphere. Um, companies are going to be able to get verified, reliable carbon storage allowing them to meet their sustainability goals faster. Uh, Cities benefit from reduced climate impacts um, and a more resilient and vibrant rural rural landscape is important for cities that rely on those rural areas around. So then the question, I guess, becomes rewards. So is that mm-hmm. is that a problem right now for companies that, or for farmers, I guess I should say, for farmers right now, 
why, why are they, I guess, why are they not doing these things now? And right. that it seems like what you're bringing in is a reward for doing something that um, is doing something, a greater good that goes beyond their farm. Is that correct? Because right now the, the short term, um, there's not a short term reward for implementing these, these grazing practices and these. Exactly. We, um, they're, Currently, we don't value a lot of ecological services that the land can provide. We don't we don't put a dollar value on that. And if you don't put a dollar value on that, it's hard to convince someone to necessarily do it. There's people that are going to want to do it no matter what, because they they see those values and see those good things. And they say, I want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. But you have a large number of people that if they don't see the actual dollar value of, of something, they're not necessarily willing to to support it or anything like that mm -hmm. um and so our idea is that we want to provide that value we want to provide that incentive um and we want uh to create a a, a mindset of of valuing those sorts of things um and and for farmers and ranchers changing their land practices can a lot of times be a large investment initially yeah. um that might not pay off um, and it's something that they've done for many years and they know, they understand the way that their land is working now. And they're not necessarily certain about how it will work after they change these different practices. And so without educational opportunities and financial opportunities, it's, it's very difficult to, to convince people to, to do stuff like that. Exactly. Um, it seems like a lot of what, a lot of the problems that we have, it comes down to finances where you know, it's yeah. a short term the, the the short term doesn't always uh, mix with the long term benefit. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, interesting. And how are you received in the community? I mean, how are your um, you know when you're talking to farmers, are they excited about this? Is this something that they're that they're that they're wanting to be a part of? How how are you received? It, it's definitely mixed. Um, there have been farmers that have been doing practices like this for a long time already, and they're really excited about the possibility to to be rewarded for um, for something like this. There's farmers that have a cautious optimism of, well, you know, if this is something that I can get rewarded for, I think I would like to to be a part of it. But I'm also just uncertain because it's not it's not a done deal it's not a a a certain thing and when when you're when, when your livelihood depends on the growing season or or the ranching season from one year to the next it is really hard to to make commitments like that um but there is a uh there, there is an optimism there is a a good uh forward thinking sort of mindset among them um and um, and and they do they do want to be valued for the service that they provide to uh, just the rest of the country in general. They um, they they understand that that they are a big part of of making America uh, strong and resilient, um, and they do want to be able to be valued for that. And so we're trying to to provide a framework for that. I love that. That's great.
That's great. And how is, how do companies feel about it? So you're you're sort of if you're you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is it correct that you're kind of the middleman between the farmers yeah. and the companies in a way, or is it also cities? I don't. Who do you work with more? Is it more with companies or with cities that are interested in um, in mm-hmm. in in lowering their own uh, footprint? Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're interested in, in, uh, working with, with, uh, both we've, um, our, we've, we've got a lot of different sorts of, of people interested. Um, some that also own land that are excited for the, for this, uh, possibility ones that are hoping to make their supply chain more sustainable. Others that realize that they have a, a larger than average impact on the, um, on the, the global environment and they, they want to be able to, to make positive changes. Um, but of course there's always going to be people that are, are pushing back or don't, don't, um, see this as, as an important, uh, uh, issue. And, and, and that's something that you, that we really try and balance and try and find, uh, who it is that is going to respond most positively to, to this as a solution for them. Um, and, and so that, that's kind of been the big, the big thing is finding uh, who's going to actually be able to, to, to value and understand the value that, that this is providing. Wonderful. And then we, so we talked a little bit about the, uh, the article on NBC News. Have you seen mm-hmm. an uptick? You know, when, have you, are you reading more about these things? Are you hearing more about them? I know that I'm... I have all these things come up. I read about these things all the time, but I kind of live in my bubble. So it's good for me to know from a perspective of, of the rest of the world. Um, and what, from what you see, do you see that there's an increase in interest and just coverage of uh, these kinds of things in general and just general knowledge? I, I think so. Um, but I think part of it is that there are a lot of sort of educational gaps that um, are sometimes hard to overcome. So we're seeing a, a, a more interest in this, but a lot of people don't necessarily understand uh, all the different values that ecosystems provide. And they don't, unless they're, you know, specifically, if someone's working specifically to educate them on that, they might not understand it. So like the fact that when you uh, change your, your agricultural to a regenerative practice and you have a more native uh, prairie grassland uh, species mix. Well, that you know their their deeper roots help uh, pull down more groundwater or, or more rainwater and reduce runoff. Um, and so that you know makes your uh, your your land more drought resistant um, and can reduce uh, flooding events. But if you don't have people that know those sorts of things, they're not going to be able to um, properly understand what all that is providing. And so, you know, when we're saying regenerative agriculture, we're trying to get not just the carbon benefit or the, um, or or the soil health benefit. We're trying to, to get people to understand all of those different benefits together, um, as, as more than just the sum of their parts. And, and that educational gap is sometimes, uh, sometimes difficult. Um, but I think that there is, uh, strides being made towards understanding those sorts of things. Wonderful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's really the impression that I get as well is that there are some people who really, they really get it and they're all on board. And then there are the, you know, 
there's the educational piece of this isn't something that we've heard a lot about before. We hear about kind of organic. That's been a big mm-hmm. buzzword. Um, and now slowly, I think that that's turning into um, more how can these things, rather than just just you know making the food that we eat uh, have less pesticides, how can the food that we eat actually have a, a, a benefit rather than just uh, be sort of a negative for the environment? Right. Well, and it's understanding that uh, things are more connected than we previously understood things that we didn't think would have an impact on stuff actually does the the um the the ecosystems work together and and understanding that you know when you think as greater than just an individual aspect of it but look at the different effects that something has you have a, a more full understanding of uh what it is that you're dealing with and i think that change in thinking is is very important and that's you know the basis of uh, a lot of the circular economy sort of things and and all sorts of stuff so absolutely absolutely yeah i mean i think that that's really the biggest thing is connection that everything is connected um and and Mm -hmm. that's sort of the message that um that I'm learning more and more about. And the more that I talk to different companies and different people like you, that it seems like those, those connections are being made, which I think is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is very exciting. It's a really interesting uh, field to be in currently. It's, it's, it's one of those things that you're like, is this the next big thing? Uh, who knows? So. Exactly. Who knows? Right. And it could be that there's many next big things. Right. That there's yeah. the, the, the that maybe it's not just one, it's multiple things all it's, together. It, it has to be more than just one. I, I think any one solution isn't going to be the perfect solution. You you need uh, all these different pieces coming together because we've got uh, we've got a bigger problem and we've we've got to work to solve it. Um, and we have to be looking at. Uh, keeping open eyes to multiple solutions and trying to implement them. Absolutely. That's exactly, I mean, that's exactly what I believe as well. Um, and I, I want to be respectful of your time where uh, we're, we've uh, been talking for a little while now, but I have one final question for you. Um, and this one is about how to, how do you guys measure uh, if there's actually carbon being stored. This is something that I don't quite understand. And I, and I think that maybe other people might be. Yeah. Well, and this is, this is a, a, an interesting question because, you know, it's all uh, underground. It's not like a tree where you can look at the size of the tree. Um, And so this is a, uh, it's one that's going to have multiple answers as our understanding of the field develops. Um, But what we're working with is a protocol where uh, we take soil samples, we take deep, uh, deeper, uh, larger core soil samples, um, and these are transferred to a lab that analyzes their soil co- or their carbon content along with some other things. Um, and we, we take multiple samples along a, a single plot of land that hopes, hopefully creates this uh, regenerative or this uh, representative picture of the, the whole area. Um, so we look at differences in the soil types um, and stuff like that to make certain that we're getting a full picture. Um, uh, and so we create an understanding uh, through these multiple measurement sites of what the soil content of the land is currently. 
Um, and then we're coming back in a few years and we take samples again at these same plots. Um, and then we look at the difference in the gain or in many current farm uh, or ranch lands, the, the loss of this soil carbon. Wow. All right. That's fascinating. Um, I, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I should have a visual of that. <laughs> but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's yeah. amazing. There, there's a, a cool machine on our, our website that is uh, involved with it. There should be a, a nice picture of it. Um, it, it looks really interesting. Um, Perfect. Uh, but, but there's other, there's that. other, what? I'll link to that in the article. So um, once this goes on the website, then I'll make sure to link to the uh, link to that for anyone who wants to see it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, um, there's, there's going to be other uh, solutions or, or, or ways to measure it coming forward. Um, and we're definitely excited to, to see uh, some of these different ones. There's uh, towers that can measure gas fluxes of uh, carbon and nitrogen and other stuff in and out of the land. Um, and so we're just really excited to see how stuff like this is going to develop. And we're, we're hoping to be able to implement any, anything that is uh, going to give a more accurate and more verifiable answer to how much carbon was stored. Wow. So is that all developing now? Is that all kind of new technology that's being developed? Yes. The new technology and a lot of research being done in the field um, about what is going to be the most accurate way to uh, measure all of these sorts of things. So, Wow. Fascinating stuff. Thank you so much for doing this interview with me. I really appreciate it. I think that you shed a ton of light on, uh, on regenerative agriculture and carbon storage and, and all of these different things. So I really, yeah, ab absolutely happy to be here.